Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman. And I'm Eve Simmons. And we're health journalists who spend our lives asking tough questions to experts who really know their stuff, so you don't have to. This week we're asking, are there times where women would get better treatment if they had a female doctor? As always, we'd like to know what you think. If you have a question or comment, you can tweet us using the hashtag MedicalMindField or email us on health at mailonsunday.co.uk. Last week, there was a startling study that said women are 32% more likely to die after an operation by a male surgeon. Women were also 15% more liable to suffer a bad outcome in that same scenario. It was quite a striking study, really. You know, it, it got, really got people talking, didn't it? What reasons are there for uh, this kind of outcome? Well, interestingly, the scientists behind this study really said that there was something that was going on after the surgery and before, which is really interesting because you would have thought it would be to do with the actual actions of the operation taking place. But there seems to be something about the rapport um, with the relationship with the doctor and the patient. And that sets up either for a kind of very successful operation or not very successful one. I know that previous studies have shown that female doctors are better at listening to their patients. And so some research shows that whether or not a patient is male or female, if you have a female doctor, you do better. Is that right? Yeah, there has been um, some research looking at general practice and how GPs interact with their patients. And overall, female GPs are seen to be a lot more empathetic, which then means that they spend a lot more time with their patients. But it's a kind of chicken and egg situation because obviously you're able to be a lot more empathetic if you're spending more time with the patient and vice versa. And of course, it's not always going to be possible for someone to have a female surgeon, at least. I think something like nine in 10 surgeons or eight in 10 surgeons are men it's still very much a male specialty absolutely so at the moment only about a fifth of all of our surgeons are female and something a woman surgeon I spoke to this week said to me really stuck with me she said that it's very difficult given the kind of family life really that seems to affect women more than it does men it's very difficult for women to rise to the top of uh, of their game in surgery and therefore the the female surgeons that are there have worked incredibly hard and are actually the some of the best in the business because they've had to be in order to get where they are yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, uh, certainly anecdotally, there are specialties that attract more women than than men now. I think general practice does and other family friendly specialties, you know, that don't involve getting up in the middle of the night or, you know, working extraordinary 60 hour weeks, uh, which is what surgery often requires, especially in the early, earlier years. Those are the ones that you find more women doctors in. But it kind of takes me back to the idea that I can understand why you might request to see a female doctor if there was something, for instance, for women's women's problems. You might have gynecological issues or sexual health issues that you'd feel more comfortable discussing with a woman I certainly would perhaps feel more comfortable discussing things like that with a man. 
But then at the same time, I have had medical consultations for things to do with my male bits with uh, female doctors as well. And I, I guess you kind of swallow your pride slightly and you do get that kind of slight discomfort. But this goes beyond that, doesn't it? Because we've done a few pieces now that have looked at quite drastically terrible outcomes that happen specifically to women, that there's something very specific to female health that men aren't getting. Yeah, completely. And with this new study, what was most fascinating about it is that you didn't see that relationship with female doctors and male patients. You only saw it very specifically with male doctors, well, male surgeons and female patients. So that does kind of allude to the fact that there's something going on here with women specifically and and how they need to be treated in a certain way. Certainly that's the story with endometriosis, which is a pain condition linked to a woman's monthly cycle. And it's something we've reported on in the past. Women tend to go undiagnosed for many, many years, something like eight years on average or something. Is that right? Yeah, I think that the recent studies have shown that that some women go for sort of 10 to 15 years actually without being diagnosed properly and their their pain is just dismissed as, oh, well, it's just period pain and it doesn't matter kind of thing and go away and take a paracetamol and, and lie down, dear, and you'll be fine. And that many women who suffer from it say it seems to be, it tends to be the approach taken by male doctors, which is, you know, it's shocking to hear that really, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's not just endometriosis. There's women who say that they feel that they've gone for other types of gynecological procedures such as smear tests or any sort of procedures that involve taking abnormal cells and that kind of thing and feel that their pain or discomfort during that procedure has been dismissed and in fact we're we're going to speak to somebody who's had an experience like that right now. Well I'd be very interested to hear this. On the line now is Rowena Humby, who says that she had um, quite an unfortunate experience during a a recent gynaecological procedure. And and she says that that was down to the fact that the the doctor was a man. Rowena, do you want to tell us a little bit about what happened? So when you're 25, as a woman in the UK, you're encouraged to start having smear tests. And since I've gone, I've had results that show I have high-risk cells. So they call you in for a colposcopy, which is when they look at your cervix and sometimes take biopsies to analyze those cells in the lab just to ensure that it's not, you know, converting into something that could lead to cervical cancer. And I think for most women, it's absolutely fine and they just experience some mild discomfort. But for me, unfortunately, I'm one of those that experiences a bit more pain. And in the last five years, I've had to have about six cervical biopsy procedures. Four have been performed by women and two by men all gynecologist consultants but yeah my experience with male consultants has always been kind of significantly worse really for emotional reasons you know for one of them he accidentally cut me when putting in the speculum which made me bleed and then kind of accused me of being on my period which I was not supposed to do but the the way he did it was you know with an incredibly accusatory tone which made me feel quite a lot of shame especially when you're in such a vulnerable position and then for the other he took multiple biopsies and the nurse could see that I was in a lot of pain you know I was crying um, and halfway through she asked him to stop and use an anesthetic and tried to continue before that I had, t- had time to, uh, to work and the nurse had to ask him again to wait so So, yeah, I guess I just came away from those two experiences feeling, you know, slightly traumatized and vulnerable. And, you know, the nurses have always been so supportive and offered to hold my hand, etc. But the difference was really in how the consultants treated me and the women 
talked me through the process, checked I was okay, paused when I needed them to, offered pain relief and anesthetic. Whereas in contrast, the male consultants kind of, it felt a lot more transactional and they didn't seem to take consideration for what I was feeling. So yeah, that was my kind of experience with that. Do you feel that perhaps men shouldn't on the whole do these kinds of procedures? Yeah, it's an it's an interesting question because initially I didn't mind a male consultant. You know, all doctors are professionals and equally qualified to do it. But for me, moving forward, I'm definitely going to request a female doctor as they do seem to show more empathy in the kind of it being a very sensitive experience for patients. And I guess, you know, gynecologists are responsible for delivering babies. And so for the male doctors who, you know, don't have a womb, maybe they don't empathize with the vulnerability and pain of this seemingly more mild procedure when they're delivering babies during the day and potentially the women consultants understand, you know, the vulnerability of that experience. Rowena, how much of it do you feel is about the rapport and the connection you would have with the doctor? And maybe is it is it more about having the time to really talk about what you feel your concerns are and that kind of thing rather than the actual doing of the procedure? You see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, it was about the communication during, before and after. So the women every time tended to kind of explain to me what they were going to do and spoke me through kind of that process as they were doing it and asked me if I was okay and afterwards asked if I had any concerns and kind of treated my questions however silly they may seem with that kind of respect and I yeah I did I did find a difference in that as well and I don't know if that was related to the heightened emotion but it was it was definitely something I feel like was different between the two. Well, it's really interesting to hear from you um, today, Rowena. So thank you so much for being here and sharing that with us. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, that's a terrible experience uh, that a patient's had. And I'd say it's, it's fairly unforgivable. Even, I'd say, it would warrant making a complaint at least about, uh, you know, about the conduct. I think doctors need to know if they're behaving in this way. Interestingly, I know that another male gynaecologist that we know says that the other way that things can go is that male doctors in that kind of situation can tend to overcompensate, that they can tend to you know, order more tests, ask more questions. And that's probably not good medicine either, to be honest. You know, we've we've talked about this kind of defensive medicine, you know, doing stuff just because you're worried rather than because it's actually warranted. So, you know, it it, it may work both both ways that, that, you know, men doing these kinds of things could be inappropriate, which sort of leaves you to think maybe there are some specialties that men really, you know, should be less commonly working in at least. Is that, I mean, can you even say that these days? I don't know. Well, exactly. And I mean, I've had personal experience of, of various gynecological procedures performed by, some performed by men and some performed by women. And I must say, all of the procedures that are performed by men, I have found to be no different, really, to the experience with women. And and in fact, I know that, you you know, we talk about this, this worry of defensive medicine and being overcautious, but I don't think there's anything wrong with asking a lot of times whether a patient feels okay and comfortable during a procedure and that's certainly what I've what I found. Well next on the line we'll have someone that can give us the medical point of view for all this. Yes joining us now is Dr Stephanie Giorgio, who is a GP specialising in women's health who thinks that women should definitely get the choice to see a female doctor. Dr Giorgio, why do you think it's so important that women get the chance to see a female doctor? 
I think that ideally women should be able to see a female doctor if they wish to. And the evidence suggests that the outcomes may be better for them if they do on a sort of population level. But I think we have to accept that unfortunately at the moment that choice isn't always going to be there because we don't have enough female doctors in senior roles. So although I think it's an aspiration, but I think at the moment it's probably not practical. You said that the evidence suggests that they might do, female patients might do better if they see a a woman doctor. Can you just explain that a bit? What do you mean? Well, there's been a lot of studies and, and the reason this has come back into the sort of the public domain is because of a recent study from Canada of over a million patients, which showed that female patients who had female surgeons had less complications and problems after surgery. And it was by about a third, so it was quite significant. And the same did not happen for men. It didn't matter to them whether their surgeon was male or female. And there have been other studies that show that female patients seem to have better outcomes with female doctors. And the same, again, isn't the same for male patients. Now, there are so many caveats in there. There are so many amazing male doctors, male surgeons, and not every female doctor and surgeon is is brilliant but I think we need to think about this on a population level and think that what we really need to do because we don't know the exact reasons is get a lot more female doctors into senior level so that we can make sure that they can influence the systems they can influence how things are planned because I'm sure that will be good for our female patients. Dr DiGiorgio can I ask What do you feel that male doctors are getting wrong in these scenarios? I actually don't think I can answer that because male doctors can be brilliant. They often are brilliant. I think looking at the studies, we don't know exactly why it is. It might be something to do with communication. It might be that there is easier communication between a female patient and a female doctor. It's probably not to do with skills. Everyone is, is very equally skilled, but there's, there's clearly something going wrong. And I wouldn't like to say that it's male doctors doing something wrong. It may be that there's something that the female doctors are just doing better, but we don't know exactly what that is at the moment. Would you say it's something across the board that women should be able to ask for a woman doctor or, or, or would it be limited to certain kinds of you know, medical treatment or scenario? So, for instance, should women be able to request a female doctor for their heart health or are we just talking about gynecological and obstetric type issues? Well, interestingly, the evidence seems to suggest that it's for all aspects of health. But as I said earlier, we don't have enough female doctors and we have a lot of very good male doctors so I think that at the moment we probably need to suggest that we can't offer it for everybody and although in an ideal world every patient should be able to have any doctor that they feel that they're comfortable with that's not always going to be possible in any way shape or form so we have to save it perhaps for people who have very specific reasons why they need to see a female doctor at the moment, which which isn't ideal, but it's it's unfortunately the, the health service at the moment in the way that it is. Do you think there's ever a scenario where the reverse could be true, that women might be ever less sympathetic to another woman? This is really interesting, and I think this is where, when I talk about this, I'm, I'm talking about it on a, a sort of a population level and big numbers at the moment and why 
it's sometimes not very easy to drill this down into individual cases because absolutely there will be female doctors who are not as sympathetic to other women you know we all heard anecdotes of people saying yes well we all have periods dear you know fuck up (laughs) and and then there are some equally brilliant male doctors who are who are amazing at dealing with period problems for example so that's why it's really important that we mustn't at the moment particularly bring this down to an individual level and I think we need to look much deeper into the evidence to find out what those differences are to make sure that everybody can get the skilled care that they need. Do you think there are specific barriers that stop female doctors from rising or, you know, populating certain specialties like surgery? I mean, it's still overwhelmingly a male specialty, isn't it? And do you think that those barriers can be, uh, you know, overcome in order to, to kind of level the playing field in, in a way? Or is it, are we always going to see most surgeons being men just because that's the nature of the job? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. I think that things are changing, but we do know that where there may be equal numbers of male and female doctors going into certain training programs, at the other end, it's different numbers coming out. And so there has been endemic misogyny within medical training in all types, but possibly worse in surgery. And we need to tackle that. And Very specifically, women need the help of their male colleagues to tackle this. And that is how this is going to get better. We need men to be allies for the women and make sure that women are promoted and and championed going forwards. In the same way that we need to make sure that people of colour are championed and, 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 and promoted. And so, because everyone will do well if there's diversity. So, yes, I hope it will change. Um... A lot needs to be done and some real honest reflection needs to be done to see why this is happening. And the NHS has to become a better employer with regards to being family friendly and flexible so that both mothers and fathers can take time out to enable women to progress in their careers. You talk about misogyny. Could you be more specific? I think we know that unfortunately women are not promoted into senior positions when they are equally skilled. We know that women may be belittled, women may be bullied, and all of that is is happening and and we need to make sure that that stops. And a lot of effort is going to that into that at the moment. And I think that it that will improve as time goes on. I'm sure you've heard of stories, and indeed I have, of patients who feel that they've been fobbed off and dismissed, specifically uh, with regards to problems involving pain, non-specific pain. Why do you think women tend to suffer these kinds of problems more than men? Why are women more likely to be dismissed? I think because, unfortunately, they are labelled as complaining. They are labelled as attention seeking they are labeled as being you know not very brave and actually anyone who's ever had period pains or pelvic pain from endometriosis or or a lot of these things knows that just getting up and managing your day is really hard and and I think that the system has just made women's pain not as serious and that is now being addressed it needs to be addressed more. It's even worse if you're a woman of colour. That is, you know, your pain is taken even less seriously. 
And I think it's simply been that people have been told that they, you know, periods are always painful or a little bit of pain here and there is just something that women should put up with. And that needs to stop. And that is being stamped out, but we need to make it faster. Well, Dr. Giorgio, thank you so much for finding some time to talk to us today. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Hi. Sorry to interrupt your listening, but there's another great podcast from the Mail on Sunday you might want to try. Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, offering a weekly look into the life of Britain's most unfiltered columnist. That's me. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. Discussing all this reminds me of a time a few years back that I was at the San Antonio Breast Cancer Conference, which is held every year in San Antonio, Texas. And at the conference, many of the most cutting edge breast cancer treatments and new studies and discoveries are announced. And that year, there was a lot of talk of how to encourage more women to take tamoxifen. It's floated every now and again that women who are simply at risk of breast cancer, who don't have breast cancer or haven't haven't had breast cancer, should be offered tamoxifen in order to cut their risk of, of developing the disease. Tamoxifen is a hormone blocking drug and if you take it, it can effectively bring about a kind of menopause. And during that conference, it was being discussed how to how to up levels, and there was a study that showed, uh, you know, how how excellent it was at reducing the risks, especially if women took it for a very very long time, many many years. And I was was pinned to the wall by a, a Glasgow-based female breast surgeon who said to me that this was absolute bollocks and the only people that would push for this would be male doctors who didn't understand how much women hated taking tamoxifen. It was a fascinating piece to write subsequently because you'd think that if you were at high risk of breast cancer, you might say having uh, menopausal symptoms uh, was a small price to pay in order not to develop a, a fatal a fatal disease or a disease that might leave you needing surgery at the very least. And every female doctor that I suggested this to laughed because that very much belittles the experience of the side effects of, of the drug and, and how significant it is. I remember Liz O'Riordan was absolutely apoplectic. It was one of the first pieces a breast surgeon, Liz O'Riordan, who, who writes for us regularly now, but she also had breast cancer twice herself. And there was a lot of F words and expletives when I suggested to her that, that it was a small price to pay. She's on tamoxifen and she says it's pretty much ruined her life. There are certain things that men are never really going to understand that women go through, especially when it comes to medical treatment. Exactly. And I think especially what Rowena was saying, which I thought was interesting, that, that the doctor said, oh, you're on your period and you're not supposed to be on your period. And, and you know, she said, that's not period blood. And I think, you know, anyone who has had a period would, wouldn't be able to identify what, what a period is and what isn't. And that, I think, is a kind of perfect example of, of certain things that men, as much as they, they try, are, are never going to understand in the same way as a female doctor would. I still think people would argue that actually what they want to see is the best person for the job. They want to see the best doctor. It doesn't matter whether they're a man or a woman. And I guess there's truth to that too. I mean, you wouldn't want to end up in a situation where you've got a woman rather than the best doctor, would you? 
Of course. And also, we mustn't forget that patients often have their own prejudgments and their own strange ideas about what makes a better doctor. And I've heard from some doctors who say that actually their patients would rather see a man in all cases because they have these warped, very 1950s ideas that all doctors are men and that good doctors are men. Oh, yeah. The, the focus groups always come out with that, don't they? The, the patients always trust male doctors more than they, they don't trust women doctors or something like that. Yeah, which, uh, I mean, well... Who'd have thought it? So I, I, I can't believe that's surprising. It's actually not surprising. Oh, my God, Eve, you haven't mentioned that you've got COVID. <laughs> yes, very good segue. Just to round up the podcast. Well, how how is it? I mean, you know, are you having any kind of female-related symptoms? I don't know. I'm having a female cold. Colds are only, only affect females, I've heard. Females, women, women. I've I've heard so many. If I had a pound for every time someone's said the term man flu to me, then I'd have quite a few pounds. I have to say. So is the term man flu offensive? Is that what you're trying to say? Oh, deeply offensive. Deeply, deeply. Right. It okay. suggests that men are and men are you know moaners. <laughs> I make. I'm, I'm not. I'm staying silent for that one. <laughs> um, but no, I do have COVID. And I'm not, I'm not moaning about COVID. I haven't moaned once. So there you go. Well, you can read all about that and all the other health news because Eve will be writing about her COVID journey in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday. And visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all of our podcast videos, opinion, pieces and more. And follow us on Twitter by searching at Mail Plus. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye.